This is Surrogacy, baby. I'm Mike. And I'm Kate. And we're taking you along for the ride on our independent journey. This is episode three, Finding a Match. So first off, uh, wanted to start by kind of revisiting a little bit of what we talked about in previous episodes. As we have kind of listened back on those episodes, we realized there might be, you know, things we wanted to to go back and cover. And one of the things that I kind of wanted to mention was that Kate and I talking realized that, you know, as much as it is a big leap for the intended parents to go independent and do all the legwork and figure out a way to have the confidence to (laughs) not use an agency, it's somewhat similar, uh, if not very similar, for the surrogate. And when she uh, uses an agency, you know, everything's taken care of for her. They tell her where to go, what to do, you know, how much she's getting paid and when and and all that good stuff. And so kind of what Kate and I were talking about was it's more work for the surrogate to go independent. Uh, There's like we said, we, in our opinion, and from what we've from the conversations we've had with potential surrogates, there's a better connection there. You know, there's a one-to-one connection between the intended parents and the surrogate rather than going through an agency, kind of a middle middle human, middle man, middle woman. <laughs> but the thing I realized looking back and looking at where we're at right now is that Kate, I think unknowingly, I, I maybe it was conscious or subconscious, but you've done an amazing job of kind of helping our surrogate just point her in the right direction on we need these blood tests here are the locations you can go to in your area you have to make an appointment tell them to bill your insurance or to bill us or you know i think i think you've played the role of an agency really well i think it's something that people going independent should i guess it would just be our advice that it probably is going to make your surrogate feel a lot more connected and a lot more confident in the process if you're kind of there to help them through it. And it's, I guess it's a little different for us because our, this is our surrogate second time. So she's kind of been through this before, but even figuring out where to go get blood tests or what doctors to go to or, well, you know, because she used an agency the first time. So she's used to having somebody make the appointments for her, or tell her where to go, that kind of thing. So yeah. I was just aware of that and wanting to make it as easy for her as possible. So I think that's just important for intended parents to remember that, yes, you're doing this because it helps you and it gives you the experience you want. And that's the same thing for the surrogate, but also understand they don't have to go independent. It's not as big of a deal for them to go through an agency and they might get more money going through an agency and so just to help them have it not be as much work for them yeah just to be aware of it yeah so that's it and it just made me uh realize how much i love you which sounds corny (laughs) but it it, i mean it's been a lot of work but i think part of the reason it's been a lot of work is you've been trying to make it better for the surrogate because 
she is taking a you know leap of faith on us and going independent so yeah it's just i thought that was really cool when i kind of thought back on it as as i was kind of listening to what what we had talked about so yeah props to you babe (laughs) (laughs) well thank you you're welcome now today's episode episode three is the process of matching with a surrogate which as we've talked about a bit is very, you know, a lot different than when you go with an agency. When you go with an agency, it's almost like uh, having, you know, Match.com there kind of taking everything into consideration about what you want, what the surrogate wants, and finding a, a match that matches your two profiles together. Yeah, and the agency will screen the surrogates and yep. should screen the, the parents. And so... Even like, oh, I guess I would say pre-screen, right? Because like... Right. Because there's kind of making sure they meet all the generic requirements. And then once they're selected, there's the full kind of medical workup. And then, you know, so yeah, that you're right. That's something we kind of missed out on was that pre-screening of people who kind of didn't make the cut just out of the gate. And we didn't kind of realize it until a little further down. Well, and they also just provide you with a group of women that Mm -hmm. are willing to be surrogates. So Mm -hmm. when you're doing it independently, you have to find those women some other way without an agency. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. Yep. And the first thing we'll talk about is just uh, some of the key factors in selecting a surrogate. There are a number of them and uh, we're going to go into them now. So which one do you want to kick it off with? So I will start by saying... For the guidelines for a surrogate, there is a group out there, ASRM, it's American Society for Reproductive Medicine, and they have set guidelines for a surrogate that clinics use, agencies use, and that is at the minimum what a surrogate needs to have. And so those things are... Sorry, real quick, when you say minimum, meaning those are kind of the generic... Yeah. The like no matter what clinic you go with, no matter what state you're in, those those requirements are probably going to hold true no matter what. Right. And so and clinics will use these and they will sometimes have more stringent criteria or more exactly. specific criteria. Exactly. Yeah. So just for the age, the age for ASRM is 21 to 45. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a wide yeah. range and most clinics don't really want a surrogate that's over 40. Yep. And some even, our clinic, I think over 35, yeah. they would rather not unless the woman is in great health. Yep. Yep. So there are differences with that, but the main range, you know, is 21 to 45. The biggest thing is you have to have at least one pregnancy mm-hmm. with no complications. They need to make sure that the surrogate can carry a yeah. child to term. As as the as our doctor said, you want them to have had a boring pregnancy. Boring mm-hmm. in terms of no complications, no, you know, I would say no major complications. Yeah. Yeah. And so then there's also usually there's no more than five pregnancies, no more than three C-sections. They need to have a stable home. They need to have site clearance, no tattoos or piercings within 12 months. No drug use, a non-smoker, BMI, less than 32, although clinics vary with that. So that is just a range. 
and not receiving government assistance and no mental health conditions. So that's the very basic when you're starting to be a surrogate or looking into being a surrogate. You have to make sure that you... that Consider you, those. Well, that you meet those criteria. Mm. At, so, at a minimum. At like, a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's basically for the surrogate. That is... The clinic is going to have at least that or stronger. So then the things to consider when you're actually looking for a surrogate would be location, age, BMI, lifestyle. That would be what they eat, if they exercise, things like that. Morals, beliefs pertaining to religion, termination Mm -hmm. beliefs, that kind of thing. What they do for work. Yeah, what they foresee for the labor, who they Mm. want in the room, Mm -hmm. if they want breast, want to pump for breast milk, Mm -hmm. what kind of relationship they want with you during and after, and then what their budget is, what they want for compensation and all the other things that come with that. So those are kind of the things to consider when you're looking for a match. Yeah. Now let's dive into a few of these and just kind of explain them a bit more. So location. So that would be a big one, in my opinion, just because you need to know what laws are in the state that you live in. Well, and let's be clear. So there's where the intended parents live. There's where the surrogate lives. There's where the baby will be born. Mm -hmm. And those are really the key factors in location. Um, So to your point, different states have different laws about how to handle surrogacy. Yeah. And And, go ahead. So there are some states that are very surrogate friendly. California is one of them. California was one of the first ones that was very friendly. And so it was appealing for surrogates to be in California. Now, thankfully, a lot of states have followed California's Lead. lead. And there are quite a few that are surrogate friendly. And you can go... This information is online. Surrogate.com has a lot of information about the different states. I would say... Uh, I was just going to kind of clarify. When we say surrogate friendly, that means... Oh, sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's okay. So I would say... (laughs) No, I would say surrogate friendly states allow pre-birth orders. So that allows you to have your parental rights established before... The child is actually born. So that means when you go to the hospital, your name can be on the birth certificate. And that's really important so that the hospital knows you are the parents. So pre-birth orders, regardless of marital status and sexual orientation, that is a big thing for surrogate-friendly states because not all states allow pre-birth orders regardless of those things. Mm -hmm. So some states allow pre-birth orders, but only for married heterosexual couples. So the states that people think of as surrogate-friendly are California, Connecticut, Delaware, D.C., Maine, New Hampshire, Nevada, Oregon, Rhode Island, Washington, and newly New York. New York used to be one of the worst states, but they actually passed a law in April of 2020, and that takes effect February 15th of 2021. And I I think you were telling me that prior to that in New York, and this is a hypothetical uh, situation, but let's say we were in New Jersey and had, you know, set up a legal surrogate agreement, 
And it just so happened, you know, our surrogate happened to go to New York visiting family or something, you know, a month before the due date. And all of a sudden, oh, early labor, rush her to the hospital, give birth in New York. New York just simply didn't allow for pre-birth order. So then basically the the child is born, surrogate mother is the parent, and then you basically have to go through the normal adoption process. Is that, did I hit that right? Yeah. And I, I don't know exactly how New York was back then. I, that's what I had heard. I hadn't done a lot of research about their laws. When I had done research on other states, it seems similar to the non-surrogacy friendly states that are still around right now are Michigan and Nebraska, and they forbid compensated surrogacy. And there was actually just an article that I was reading. There's a case in, I believe it was Nebraska, but I could get that wrong. It was either Michigan or Nebraska. And there was a couple who knew that the laws were Mm. forbidding compensated surrogacy, and they still went through having a surrogate carry their child thinking that they could get a judge to overrule it. Yeah, because some counties in that state, judges were able to overrule it and give the PBO, and it all worked out. And the county that they're in is giving them a lot of trouble. So the judges are not overruling the law that basically outlaws surrogacy. And so because of that, these parents have to pay all the money to legally adopt their own child and the surrogate is seen as the mother even though they don't have any blood relation yeah so it's important to know what state you're in and what state your surrogate is in there are in between states so some like i was saying some states will allow or will give a pre-birth order but only if the ips are married Some states just have unclear surrogacy laws, so then that means when you go to get your pre-birth order, you're kind of up to the judge and what they rule. But there's precedence of, you know, we've had these people go through the court and the judge has okayed Mm -hmm. it, so you should be good. There are states like Hawaii and Idaho require adoption instead of the PBO, but they allow the surrogacy surrogacy and Mm -hmm. all of that. Louisiana and Texas only allow married couples to use surrogates. Arizona forbids surrogacy contracts. Indiana also surrogacy contracts are void and unenforceable. So there are states where you can still do surrogacy, but if you're trying to compensate your surrogate, the court doesn't allow that and then things can get with that. Yeah. So a lot of variants and you need to make sure you understand or you research, you know, a good thing to talk to your lawyer. I mean, it's kind of the whole point of getting a lawyer is making sure that you do it and it's legal and it's above book. And, and you want a lawyer that is in the state that your yeah. baby is going to be born in. Yeah. So that's the deal with location, geography, whatever terminology you want to use. What Are there others you want to dive into a little bit and explain maybe what, what it even means? I don't know that there's any more that are terribly complicated. I mean, lifestyle, that's, it's a term, basically, does the surrogate share your, 
beliefs is one word or your, your desire, your for, desire for what she should do during, during pregnancy, pregnancy to keep the keep the kid healthy. So, you know, There's whether that. it's eating organic or not drinking soda or only having a cup of coffee a day, that's kind of the that's what we mean by lifestyle choices, not like anything way deeper than that, you know. Yeah, just yeah, if they eat a certain way or if there's certain exercise that you want them to do, if they're what kind of activities they spend their time doing, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's probably oh uh I, I don't know, you maybe you mentioned this, but labor, um, who can be in the room yeah. uh when you're delivering. That's something if you really want to be in the room when the baby is born, that's something that you need to talk to the surrogate ba- about and see what they want and yeah. if they're comfortable with that. Yep. Okay. I think that covers it pretty well. So when it came to us starting to, uh, let's say, figuring out what factors were most important to us, because you can't have it all. You can't have perfect marks necessarily on every... Well, you can, but it's probably statistically a lot lower likelihood you're going to find a perfect match. Yeah, and I think that you have to decide what is important to you, how many of the things are important to you. Because if you have a long list of things that you're not willing to compromise, then that's definitely okay. It just means that you are going to have a harder time finding a match and it's going to take you a lot longer. There are certain people that find a match within a month or two. And then there's people that have been looking for nine months Mm -hmm. or a year and that kind of thing because it's really important. So you don't want to rush through it. You want to know, you want to really think about what's important to you. Yeah. You don't want to be getting halfway through and realize that you compromised on something that you really wish you hadn't. Yep. But you also don't want to have these requirements that are so strict that it's impossible yeah. to find a match. So there's definitely yeah. this balance right there. Yep. So which ones were bubbling up to be the most important for us when we before we actually started matching and talking to potential surrogates? Well, I think that we both wanted a surrogate that was somewhat close. Yeah. I De- thought definitely within thought, California. Yeah, originally I think we were thinking it would be okay to have outside of the state, but we were really hoping that we could actually have a surrogate within California. Well, we kind of, I think at the time we were kind of looking at it as potentially someone outside of California could be lower cost just because cost of living outside yeah. California is generally less expensive. But that would be offset by the fact that we would have to travel and get, you know, hotel rooms and we'd be far away when the when she was due so it kind of put at risk whether we would be there when the baby was born we'd have to deal with having a lawyer in a different state yeah, just a I lot think, of different you know factors yeah and i think that we wanted a surrogate in california but we weren't going to say we wouldn't Absolutely, take a yeah. surrogate in a different state we were just hoping for california we really would like to be in the room when mm-hmm. the baby is born so that was something that we would like. I'd say the other things that kind of stood out to me was just having a healthy lifestyle and having a relationship during the process mm-hmm. of the pregnancy. Those were 
my key things or my most important things. And then I guess budget not being too high, asking yeah, for comp. Certainly. Those are the things that stood out to me originally. So were there any other ones that you thought? I don't know. I I don't I think you nailed it. You know, lifestyle and budget I think bubbled up to the top for us because we're pretty healthy. We cook, you know, our own food. We uh eat organic when we can just cuz we don't want we're pesticides. From yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> we're stereotypical Californians. No. Um, I mean, it, we don't go crazy with organic. You know, if you got to have french fries at a restaurant, go have some french fries, you know. So yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. But as we'll kind of talk about in a bit, it shifted as we were talking to to surrogates. So so okay, we've got our priorities. We know what we're looking for. Now it's time to get the word out there and how do you run run us through how you went about getting the word out and making contact with potential surrogates to to basically interview yeah so when you're doing it independently you've got to find a surrogate yourself so you've got to figure out how to reach women that want to be surrogates and i think facebook is a really good outlet for that or really good no network network for that and so we posted on our personal page, and that allowed all of our friends and acquaintances to see that we were looking for a surrogate, looking yep. for information, that kind of thing. And there was actually quite a few people that we were friends with that knew surrogates. So that was kind of yeah. funny because I didn't realize that we had people that knew surrogates. <laughs> they really came out of the woodwork. I think we were blown away with how many people had... the. I mean, it's almost like the correct term is... They had been one way or another touched by surrogacy, whether it was a friend that was the intended parent or a friend that was the surrogate or a friend of a friend and they had met them. And I was just impressed that, you know, it's it. I think it's just one of those things people don't really talk about. Right. And but I, w- I think I was a, I was surprised because we had been so open over the years mm. that we were we would need a surrogate. And so I thought that these people that it would have come up beforehand because we haven't been private about it and so but yeah it really shows you how little it's actually talked about when you see all these people your cousin knew a surrogate my cousin's wife knew a surrogate i was thinking wow this is a lot closer than i thought we had that connection so We posted on our personal page, which I think if you are open to that, I know there are a lot of couples that want their privacy and that's definitely okay. But if you're open to being public about that, that has, that allows people to see that you need help. And sometimes you get friends that offer, sometimes you get extended family that offer, that kind of thing. So I think that's a really good place to start. And then there's also quite a few matching groups on Facebook. So I think I had been in maybe four matching groups. And so I posted our matching post in all of them. And then there are a couple websites. The biggest one I found was findsurrogatemother.com. I didn't actually end up posting on that site. I did look at some surrogates that were on that site just around us and in California, and some of the profiles on there were pretty old. Mm. Some of them were newer, but I just didn't, we didn't end up needing to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how 
good those sites are, but there are a couple sites if you Google that you can go to if you're not finding what you need on Facebook or by word of mouth and just kind of spreading it through your circle, your family, letting everybody know that you're looking is kind of, it it feels a little weird, but you never know what connection is going to be made and there can be a friend of a friend. I know my sister actually posted on a mom's group on Facebook and we got a couple people that that reached out based on that. So you sort of just need to post everywhere Put it out there. and see what comes from yeah. it. And I think the outpouring of support we got was really it, it kind of boosted our spirits too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew all of our friends thought we'd be good parents and were excited for us, but you know, it just it was really heartwarming to you know, well, yeah, see them was, believe in us and root for us. That was pretty cool. It was nice because our friends and family would share our posts. So then yeah. their network got to see it as well. So yeah. a lot of that and a lot of people want to help. A lot of people, when they hear what you're going through, they just want to help. And so, it you know, giving them the opportunity to do that. And we've yeah. talked about this before that, you know, until you uh, actually try and have a kid whether through normal pregnancy or surrogacy or adoption or whatever, you think, oh, getting pregnant's easy. Uh, and and once you're pregnant, having the kid is easy. And you learn it's not as easy as you think it is, you know, when you're a kid or, you know, mm-hmm. in high school. You're led to believe that if you ever have sex, you're going <laughs> to walk away with a kid. But there are a lot of people who struggle with infertility or, you know, miscarriages and... Uh, surrogacy is just kind of another element of the challenge of, you know, bringing a kid into the world. And I think you find, and we've heard other parents that did IVF or adoption, that as soon as they let people know that, it's just outpouring of support and encouragement and resources to to try and make it move along quicker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it just pretty cool. It, it, and it, it does feel weird to put yourself out there, but I think if you're willing, you'll find that, you know, it's, it's uh, worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's where you post. And the next thing is what to post. And so I'd say post what you're comfortable with, but the post that had the most interaction or engagement, engagement, would be ones that involved pictures. So we picked three photos. And I would say pick photos that kind of give an idea of the kind of people yeah. that you are. So if you're super into mountain bike riding, yeah, have a photo of you guys on bikes. Or if you really like to cook, maybe you guys in the kitchen. If you just got married, wedding maybe photos. a wedding photo. Yeah. That kind of thing. We had been married... Or we have been married for six years, so we didn't put wedding photos, but we put a couple photos, one at the beach and a couple other photos, just so that they could see us. And then we wrote the criteria that we were looking for, and that kind of comes from the things that we talked about originally of things to consider and then things that we thought the clinic required. And then also you want to write a little something about yourself and why you need a surrogate and that kind of thing. So... Our post talked about 
the fact that I had Lyme disease and that we needed to use a surrogate and that we'd been married for six years. These are the things that we're looking for. Someone ideally in California, someone with this BMI, someone this age, you know, those kinds of things, just a little bit, just so people, surrogates that are reading it can get an idea mm-hmm. of who you are if did, they match your criteria. Did we say at that point in our post whether we were going independent or not? That. Yeah, I think we put that we would like to do this mm-hmm. independently. Mm-hmm. So we weren't 100% don't contact us if you're working with an agency, but it was pretty clear that we would like to work independently with a surrogate. Yep, yep. And I, to, the post was about two paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you want to keep it as short as possible, but still touch, you know, still have a life and a personality and communicate, you know, who you are, but obviously you don't want like a, a full blown one pager, you know, that, yeah, that assaults too, people on Facebook. <laughs> if it's too long, people don't yeah. really want to read it. But if it's too short, they can't get an idea of if they even want to reach out to you. Yeah. So that's the main thing that I see when people are writing a match post, if they don't include pictures and all they say is, hey, looking for a surrogate, let me know if you're interested. The first thing in the comments are always, tell us what the requirements are and tell us a little bit about yourself because that's what surrogates are also trying to pick a family that they want to help. So you need to That they fit well with. Yeah, and you need to present yourself so they know, hey. And same thing with surrogates. They'll write posts and they like to put as much information about themselves. So as an intended parent, when you're reading it, you say, okay, yeah, I like... This could what, work. You know, this is working. So yeah. definitely want to yep. get some good information in them for in there for them to be able to see who you are. For sure. Cool. So you handled the posting. You posted to your personal page and then you posted to some of the Facebook groups you were a part of. And the plan was that I was going to post a couple days later to try and just keep the post Keep momentum uh, yeah, going. Yeah, keep momentum going. Yeah. But and we got so many responses. And I had tagged you in the post, so really it actually did go to your page. So yeah. everyone that you were friends with that I was not friends with could actually see it. And so we got enough engagement on it and enough responses that we didn't need to repost it. Yeah. We did repost in the Facebook group, but we didn't in the matching groups, but we did not repost on our personal yeah. page. Yeah. So. Because you, okay, so we posted and honest question, were, I say we, but you ready for the massive output of responses or the massive number of responses that came in from the posts? I don't think you were. Absolutely not. Yeah. It was amazing. So if you had to ballpark how many just messages and or kind of uh, either from potential surrogates themselves or friends of surrogates that wanted to point you in the direction of a friend or or whatever how I many maybe messages had about maybe two dozen yeah. or so maybe a little bit more yeah and that was some of it was just i mean gosh it might have even been more but some of it was felt like more just information and then some of it was hey i know this surrogate do you want to talk to her she's not looking to do another journey but do you want to talk to her oh i know these intended parents or these parents that use surrogacy do you want to talk to them and then from the matching post from facebook those specific matching groups 
I got at least, well, yeah, probably more than two dozen because just from the matching group itself, I probably got yeah. 20 people messaging me. Yeah. And it was all happening within one to two days. Yeah. And it was at the very beginning of everything. And so I didn't know how to handle it because I was so excited to get all of these messages. But I also was like, wait, what do I say to them? Yeah, what's, and what's the next step? How do we yeah. get to the... I think we kind of knew what the next step was. But it was like, we're at point A. We're going to point F. Oh, shoot. I forgot about points B, C, D, and E, you know? Well, I just didn't even know how do you... Like, when it was people just providing information, that was a little bit easier. Although I also didn't even know what to ask. It was like I wanted people's help. I wanted information. But then I also didn't even know what I wanted to know. Yeah. So that was just me jumping in probably a little bit too early. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of when actual potential surrogates would reach out, I didn't know how to start the conversation, what I should ask right away, what I should hold off on, like any of that kind of thing. And I felt there was like a, there was so much pressure of not wanting to ruin a potential surrogate relationship because I didn't know what yeah. to say or I wasn't asking the right questions or I I got too quickly into business and not enough into just the personal yeah. or did I am I getting too personal too quickly and and so it's a lot of pressure because I didn't want to ruin it. I felt like, "Oh no, I'm going to ruin it all and we're not going to have a surrogate because I don't know how to do this." Yeah. At which as you describe it, it, sounds exactly like what? Oh, come on. We've talked about this. It's dating. It sounds like oh, dating. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah feel, for it, sure. All of everything you just described, you could have replaced surrogate with like date. Yeah. And you, it, the same thing would have applied. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to yeah, come on too exactly. strong. I don't want to. I was like, no, 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 no. I, this is, I don't like dating. Yep. We've been together since 2009 yep. and I am not used to this. Yep. And get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Yeah. So that's where we come in because at this point now that we found a surrogate, I feel like we now can provide some help yes. to those people that don't even know how to handle all of that coming in. Yep. Yep. So, okay, we made contact with a number of potential surrogates. We made a questionnaire, right? We had a cuz we kind of realized are okay. Are there's like layers of criteria. One layer is what we put in our post. Then we realized there was a whole bunch of other stuff, and that's where the other factors we mentioned earlier kind of came into play. We actually created a kind of a questionnaire that you know we'll probably post on the website as just mm-hmm. a you know a tool for other people to use. But started to dig into a lot of the tactical things of like. Do you drink coffee while you're pregnant? Do you, you know, do you drink soda very often? What's their home life? Yeah. Um, what do you do for work? What do you... Is your family supportive? Yeah. And... What's your reason for doing surrogacy? I think that was one of them. We were really interested to know what was motivating people to be a surrogate. At least that that was really important to me because I wanted to know why they were doing it and make sure it felt like a reason that jived with our the situation we were in well you also when you're going independent 
you have to vet the surrogate and there are people out there that are trying to take advantage yeah. and on both sides because yeah. I've seen posts where intended parents have been flagged as not yeah. being ethical and you know and and so sometimes surrogates aren't that way so you have to sort of get that feel from them are they being genuine and wanting to help and obviously there is a lot of times money that is involved with our compensation if they aren't doing this for free but that doesn't mean that they're not genuine with it but it is good to kind of get a read on what brought them to this and that kind of thing because you can kind of start to see are these people good and legit and you know a real option because there have been people that have been scammed and thought that they were going to find this great match and then it didn't end up that way so but before the questionnaire it was even before that that I was having to kind of screen people on Facebook just to get to that point and get to a phone call and that kind of thing. Just and that via was, chatting with them on Messenger? Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of... Sometimes surrogates will reach out and they don't fit the criteria. Mm-hmm. So some of it is just, hey, where are you located? Because if, you know, if I said I'd like California and then someone said, oh, yeah, I'd love to match with you. I'm in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Or, I'm in Texas. And I'd be like, well, that's great. And I will definitely keep that in mind. But I'd like to hopefully find someone in California first. So that was an easy first thing. Where are you located? And you got a lot of, hey, I'm friends with this person. I would love to be your surrogate. But I'm in Nevada or Oregon. I'm using, Mm -hmm. you know, imprecise states. But and I think we definitely had to be like, Oh, that's too bad, but let's keep them, let's keep their name around in case we can't find anyone in California and we decide we have to go outside of California. So, but you want to, but you have to respond to them and make sure you're not ghosting them. Um, like some people at this table do with texting (laughs) incidentally and they're still good people. And I try and tell, tell people that I'm a good, I mean, that that person's a good person. (laughs) So anyway, so yes, the first step would be when they, message you on Facebook. If you don't know them, if you don't have any connection, you kind of just have to make sure that they actually fit the criteria that you set up, where are they located, if that's a big one for you, what their age is, what their BMI is, that kind of thing. And you sort of want to get to know them a little bit. So I would ask them, how many kids do you have? And, you know, I don't know, what do you do for work? Yeah. What do you like to do a lot of... I would ask, what do you like to do yeah. with your kids or for family time? Or what do you like to do for yourself, hobbies, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing? Just to kind of open it ice. up a little yeah. bit. And then you can kind of talk about more the logistics of, do you have insurance that's surrogate friendly, which is a big thing? Where are you located? Are you willing to travel for the clinic and that kind of thing? Is your husband supportive because he's going to have to also get testing done yeah. and be there hopefully to help take care of the the children when you're your children when you're going to clinic appointments and things mm-hmm. like that. And you can kind of keep it brief in that that time period, but just sort of get a feel for them and decide, hey, do I like where this is going and do I want to set up a phone call or a FaceTime? Or that's when we sent a questionnaire to a couple of them and got their responses back and then decided if we wanted to do a FaceTime. And it goes really quick. I think when you post that match post, you want to be willing to 
try to get a match within the next couple weeks. Yeah. Or at least, you know, be consistent with talking with yeah. these women and seeing that kind of thing. Well, so. that, that's the imp- I, I think looking back, once you make that post, if you are on top of things, you could find a match. It's pretty conceivable that you would find a match within two to four weeks. That seems like, if not sooner, I mean, if the planets align, but I would say statistically, it's probably two to four weeks before. It depends, I think, on how many things, the criteria that you're trying to match. But if you're fairly, um, if if you're willing to compromise on some stuff, you don't have too extreme. You're like moderate, moderate with your restrictions or criteria. And, um, and also sometimes it's timing, like sometimes. People aren't looking when you're looking, that kind of thing. But I do think that it's very likely that you could find someone within a month, at least think, okay, pretty sure this is the one. Now let's go through all the other things, the other hurdles that come along with that. But also don't get discouraged if it's taking a few months to find the perfect one. And I've heard of people that it takes three to six months. So I do think... Two to four weeks is going really quick. It's possible for sure, but don't get discouraged if it's yeah, taking you four good months. Point. So, because for us, it actually ended up taking maybe. I was thinking long? six to eight. It might have taken. I was thinking actually maybe eight to ten weeks. I don't know. It, it took us. I there. think it took us at least two months, and we were motivated to. Yeah, we were on top of it. We were doing yeah. a couple FaceTime interviews a week. And I've heard that we are moving quickly with stuff. So we are overachievers. So yeah, there's definitely things that we've created the questionnaire of things to ask. And it really depends on what's important to you of what you put in that. But Mm -hmm. there are important things to know. And, you know, in terms of the family support and the husband, like that is something to go back that the husband is going to need to be on board and because they are a part of it. And so we had FaceTimes with the surrogate and her husband or her partner to just see if all four of us got along and that kind of thing. Because it is something that we're going, you know, I probably will be closer with our surrogate, me and her just on our own. But you're going to be a part of it. Her husband's going to be a part of it, especially if we want to be in the room when yeah. she's giving birth. Her husband's there. We're there. So that's a well. Big and this one. was this was one of my file it under like subjective criteria I had was I was thinking if I put myself in their shoes. Let's say you were looking at being someone's surrogate. My protective instinct would be I want to make sure you're matching with people that are good and doing it for the right reason and aren't trying to scam you and, Mm -hmm. you know, are going to treat you fairly. So I sure as heck would want to meet them before entering into an agreement. So for me, it was kind of like a yellowish to red flag if the husband was just like nowhere to be found, Mm -hmm. which we never ran into. Um, But it was definitely like, hey, when we do a FaceTime if not now, in the future, we definitely want to have your husband on and get to know him. And and sure enough, you know, we met, I think, three or four of them. And they were all super supportive and excited to meet us and interested in the process. And it, yeah. it, was, it was, we were getting good, the warm and fuzzies from meeting them, which was pretty cool. 
Yeah. And then I think the last thing that we didn't really talk about was you want to talk about compensation with them. And that's something that you can find, you know, one of the Facebook groups that I was in was a low comp one. And I didn't find any. Nobody reached out. I, I definitely think it's hard to find a surrogate that is willing to do it for very little money or no money at all. Like and that less kind of than thing. market rate kind of thing. Yeah. Like the group that I was in, I think it was 20000 or less that you had to be asking yeah. 20000 or less to be in. That's not to say that that's not possible. But again, if you're going to try to shoot for that, it's going to take you longer to find a match. And that's great. And that's one way to really save money is if you can hold out and really wait for a person that only wants to do it for the experience experience of helping and that kind of thing. But it is good to be on the same page for compensation. And I think at the beginning, we didn't really know exactly what we would pay um, or wanted to pay or could afford to pay for just the compensation for the the actual surrogacy, I'm blanking on the actual pay, the name of base comp. Base there we comp, go. yeah. But as we went through it, we kind of figured out a number that we were comfortable with and that kind of thing. So you could ask that before you even FaceTime with these women and say, hey, what are you looking for? Because that helps to kind of weed through it. Because if you have a surrogate that's asking for 60000 and you really only can afford Thirty-five thousand right away. That's not a good match because you could bring up your amount a little bit. They could bring down their amount a little bit, but it it's never really going to match in a good way because someone's going to kind of feel like they're not getting what they wanted. So, and I I would add, and I think this is something we kind of, I know I struggled with. I know we talked about it. Is do you want to be the person that's negotiating? your surrogate down in cost of how much it's worth for them to have your baby. Like, no, at least we didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, maybe you don't feel weird about that and that's totally fine. And you find a surrogate that has that same relationship. But I think for us, we, it was just hard to go in playing hardball and negotiate things down. And it's like, you just, for us, I think we just wanted to find a surrogate who's, uh, the compensation that she wanted was in the ballpark of what we could afford. Mm -hmm. And that actually changed and we'll get to this, but I think after interviewing a number of surrogates and getting a bit more information, we realized that the compensation number we were doing was kind of a one payment lump sum. We, We were accounting for other expenses, but more and more, I think, you eventually were able to get your hand, like someone shared the, the, a surrogate shared their for their previous contract and all the expenses and things. And we found out, Oh, there's a lot of other payments that happen aside from the base comp. Yeah. It's not just the base comp. So we were actually kind of our criteria for base comp was incorrect for how much we could actually kind of, we were comfortable affording. Yeah. So that, that made priority shift a bit, but yeah, I agree. You kind of, you definitely want to be upfront and say, you know, base comp, here's what we have in mind. Here's what we can afford. But also in your mind, know that the base comp isn't a hundred percent of what you're going to pay. There's going to be other stuff. And we'll get to that in the next episode when we're going to talk about 
the finances and dive yeah. do a deep dive into all the different things to consider. So Yeah. I would just say that it does kind of feel weird when you're talking to them initially because it feels like you're all business and yeah. and that kind of thing. And I would say don't feel weird about that. I do think that it's important to kind of ask them a couple personal questions of yeah. who they are and what they like and still be and, a human. <laughs> yeah. And tell them a little bit about what you like and what you know, whatever you didn't put in your post of that kind of thing. But also don't be afraid to really just get to the key details at yeah. the beginning so that you're not wasting your time with someone that and wasting be, their time yeah could be super nice and everything but just doesn't fit your yep. match and same thing for them because they're also looking for yep. a match themselves so 100 so then we're starting to get into the actual kind of facetime interviews right that that was kind of the next step once we once you had made contact via messenger mm-hmm. got to know them a little bit kind of got a, a few more big criteria pieces out of the way we sent a uh sent that google form or google sheet where we had them answer a couple more kind of nitty-gritty uh, deep down in the weeds questions and then at that point if there weren't any blockers we we move forward with a facetime interview which if it were if it if covid weren't here we'd probably drive if they were close we would have driven to kind of meet them maybe maybe not i don't know we probably start with a facetime and then yeah, we probably true. you know if they were close enough you could meet up with them in person but i think facetime is a great way of just kind of initially getting yeah. you know you can do a phone call as well but i liked the facetime cuz you could put a face to the voice yeah. and you kind of just it's a little bit easier to have that conversation with the four of you if you're doing it with um, yep. their partner. So you hop on a FaceTime with them. Mm-hmm. What do you say? What do you do? Oh my well, gosh. We were. you have a husband like mine that can just talk <laughs> and I kind of sit there. No. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but you, you know... You open it up a little bit more because you're yeah. better at small talk and that kind of thing. But you just sort of talk about some of the things you already talked about, but you sort of talk about it yeah. on the phone now instead of just writing it. And you kind of – sometimes, like, I had talked to them, and so I knew more information than you. So a lot of times you, again, would ask, why did they want to become a surrogate? And we ask them about their kids and what they like to do, how they handle pregnancy, and that kind of thing of what are your pregnancies like, and do you change anything when you're pregnant in terms of your lifestyle? And, yeah. and you sort of ask the things that are the most important to you top that of mind. you might want to get a little bit more detail that you didn't get details about when you were messaging on Facebook or yeah. that kind of thing. And it really, that, I I don't necessarily think that you get a ton more information from them in that, but it's more just seeing that they're real people, that you can have a good conversation with them, you know. That there's a connection. Yeah, some surrogates, potential surrogates that we spoke with, we talked to for an hour. Yeah. And then some we talk to for, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, sometimes the conversation flows a little bit more and you sort of just go off of yeah. that. But I, I would say that it's more just to check that box of do we see... Because I think throughout the process you're constantly trying to, is there anything that would 
make this match not work. So you're constantly just trying to get a little bit more information. Do I see myself being able to enter into this year-long process with them? Is there anything I'm finding out that I'm not liking? You ask different questions about whatever's important to you. Well, there's almost, and in my head, I'd say there's almost a a Venn diagram, a three-way Venn diagram of you want to find someone in the middle and it's like you want the person to be in the, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to generalize. This is what I have in my head. And, and I think we found someone that fits pretty well is that on, on one circle of the Venn diagram, you've got their personality and the connection that you get with them. Because like we said, we want someone that we were going to be talking to that was going to keep us informed, that was going to be honest with us and open and you know, that kind of stuff. So that was one circle. Another circle was just like, the business side of it, like that they understood what the logistics of what they're getting into and that they, she, that she had done it before. So, you know, she would kind of know if we were missing any steps or anything like that. And then the third circle is almost like this person is taking care of your child. Like, so you almost want to like validate the caretaker in them that they're going to do a good job mm-hmm. of, of making sure that your baby is, uh, comes into the world healthy and happy and all that. And so I think all of my questions were trying to just cut to, does this person fall in the middle of that Venn diagram? And and at some level cover all three of these these circles. Yeah, and I think that before we would FaceTime with anybody, I was the one that took the lead and I was the only one talking with them. And so I would tell you certain things that I talked to them about, but it was a good test for you to get to know them Mm -hmm. and a lot of the stuff I already knew but it was good to hear oh those answers stayed the same yeah (laughs) and just for you to get to know them and and them to get to know us yeah and that kind of thing and I would say I think another thing we ended up doing that was cool was on some level it's an interview Mm -hmm. but on another level it should just be a conversation with someone who has something in common with you right Mm -hmm. like a lot. Of, I remember the people we talked to for a long time. We talked for a long time about their experiences with surrogacy and what they liked the last time around, and what they would do differently, and what they've learned. Because we were getting, we were learning from them. I, there was a gal we had talked to that had done it twice before, and I think we came out of that interview. I put it in air quotes, but that you know, FaceTime with her knowing more than we did before i think we mm-hmm. we you know we've had a lot of confidence that she knew a lot of stuff and and i think she was asking us a lot of information about you know who who what kind of parents we were and mm-hmm. i think she wanted to know to. more about your lime and and kind of how that impacted your life and mm-hmm. um i i think that you find out the details you want to find peppered into Again, a human conversation conversation and connection with with these gals. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, if you're going to work with them, you want that your first impression to be like, I want to know who you are, you know, not I want to know how much you want. So I think we tried to stick to that. And that that seemed to work pretty well for us. So Mm -hmm. I would I would advise that for anyone kind of struggling how to approach these conversations kind of from a conceptual standpoint. Yeah. So we FaceTimed a bunch of gals and then let's kind of talk about, I have down here, talk about the 
clinic requirements curveball because there were a few gals that we liked, but then the more we kind of dug into it, we realized that they we were going to have issues because they didn't necessarily meet all of the medical requirements from the clinic. Yeah, so I would say we started out by talking about the ASRM qualifications, and while that is the overall qualifications, just make sure that you know exactly what your clinic requires. And that was something that I thought we knew what we needed to have, but I don't think I was talking to the right person that could give us the exact qualifications. I kind of got a... A general... Well, let's be a little more specific. We talked to our doctor. Yeah. And he was pretty high level. He was... And we, you asked very specific questions about BMI, age, number of times. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the answer was that we got was, just bring us a gal and we'll go from there. We'll, we'll, we'll see if she's a fit. And yeah. I... I, for whatever reason, I just don't think he realized, I, I I think we told him we were going independent, but I think he just thought it was going to be through an agency, so the agency was going to handle all that. So why are these, why are these IPs worried about all these details? The agencies will take care of it. Well, and so then once I got connected to the people in the clinic that were going to actually do the work of clearing the surrogate, I started to find out that the requirements that our clinic has are more stringent yeah. than the ASRM. Yeah. So that was the thing is we didn't know exactly the correct age, the correct BMI that our clinic required. So when we were first looking, we had higher numbers than our clinic would allow. I think we were looking at 31 or below or 32. 32 or below was what we had, and we had an age 40 or below. And our clinic would rather have an age 35 or below and a BMI of 28 and below. 28. So that became hard because we connected with a couple surrogates, and their age and BMI did not fit. And it became a decision for us. Do we try to push these limits? Do we wait for this woman to lose weight and, and fit into this BMI? Do, you know, all of these things. And so it's just really important to make sure you're talking to the right people and getting all the requirements of the clinic because there are certain clinics that won't, take a surrogate that's had over, you know, four Four pregnancies pregnancies, and then some are up to six pregnancies. You know, there is a little bit of wiggle room. And so it's not good to just assume the ASRM or the be all end all. Talk to the clinic and make sure about that. And and get specifics. And I would recommend get them to write it down and send it in an email. And I think that we've, we've talked about this before, but I think when you're if you're having conversations with your doctor or the clinic and they kind of commit to you that, hey, you, you ask them, hey, th- will this thing work, right? Will will a BMI of 29 work even mm-hmm. though your restriction is 28? If they tell you on the phone, yes, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you get them to get put that in writing. Mm-hmm. Because I think what we also found, again, doctor told us one thing that was pretty high level. And then all of a sudden it got way more strict. Well, yeah, because the doctor told us age 40 and yeah. below. And then I tried to bring someone that was 36 or 37. And the 
clinic shot it down pushed back and i well we we even kind of pushed it a little bit and said hey like you know what if all the other criteria met except for their 36 or 37 and we just got an answer back that was like no we the the requirement is that they are below 35 or you know something like that and we just kind of threw our arms up "Ah." yeah so i mean i think that's just in general writing things down and having things in writing in in most business things is the way to go yeah so yeah the next point was to kind of talk about our feelings as we went through the matching process and i think one important connected point to this clinic requirements curveball I brought up was like, that hit us hard. Like when we thought we had a match or Mm -hmm. thought we had a couple potential matches and we were kind of like, well, it's one of these three or two Mm -hmm. gals. And then we find out, oh, it's actually none of them. Like, or there's a good chance it's none of them, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that, that's one thing about getting specifics and knowing exactly what you need is not allowing yourself to get your hopes up for a match that doesn't work. Yeah. And that can happen even you get your hopes up and you're thinking, I found this great match. And then they go through medical clearance and something disqualifies mm-hmm. them, something like that. That does happen. And sometimes you can't avoid that until yeah. they're going through testing and that kind of thing. But that's a really big let down and I think there's so many there's so many times in this process of using a surrogate all the steps getting you to having to use a surrogate there's so many times that your heart breaks (laughs) so when you are looking for a match you want to try to avoid as much of that as possible and being very clear about what you want being clear about what the clinic requires those are really important because that helps to avoid some of those things. And I would say finding a match, I wasn't really prepared for how emotional finding a match would be. And I think there's a couple reasons for why it's so hard. And I would say one of the problems was finding a match and then them not being qualified. So that was hard because I think at that point we had interviewed several women, and no one really seemed perfect. Yeah. And it wasn't just, oh, you know, there were some women that we really connected with, but they were asking for too much and we just couldn't do it. And even though we really liked them, we just couldn't afford it. And that's heartbreaking in itself because you're just thinking, oh, I wish. This gal would be perfect. You know, I wish I could afford that, but I can't. And then there are women that you just don't really connect with and you're feeling like, they, I can afford them, but I don't really have that connection. And you start to feel like you're never going to find somebody. And then you find somebody that you just love and you connect with and it's amazing. And you're like, yep, that's who it is. I'm finally found this one and everything. And then you find out that they don't qualify. And then you're really let down because you're thinking, oh my goodness, it, I, I've been looking for a while and now this perfect one doesn't meet the requirements. I'm never going to be able able to find somebody. And it's like the one that got away. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ups and downs with that. And so there's that part of it. And then I think as a woman, I think it's really emotional because you're picking a woman to do the thing that you wish so desperately you could do. And I think that was really hard for me at the beginning to kind of pick out the criteria that was the most important for me. And that was kind of a hard question at the beginning for me to answer because really 
everything was important to me. And I had to figure out how to have some of them not be deal breakers. Because in reality, like, what do I want the most? I want to be able to carry the baby. I want, and if I can't carry the baby, I want somebody that's exactly like me. (laughs) You know, everything that I would do during the pregnancy. Problem is, is because I'm chronically ill, I lead a life that, I mean, I have a sickness, but I do feel like I lead a pretty healthy life because of that. I try to have my life be as healthy as possible because I'm trying to fight this illness. In service of getting healthier. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for me, I feel like I don't drink coffee. I don't drink sodas. I very much limit my sugar intake. Don't drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. I I cook food for myself every single meal you know and they're square meals like veggies and meat yeah protein vegetable yeah that kind of thing I eat pretty much all organic I do all these things that isn't necessarily realistic I mean it is for some people and then that but it is it's hard to hold I don't want to hold someone else up to that standard when you know, if I was completely healthy, I probably, I mean, before I was sick, I would drink and I would eat things, yeah. you know, I would go out and I'd eat things that are so delicious that I just can't anymore. Well, and, and, especially, that kind of thing. and so especially when you're pregnant and you have cravings, oh, like, yeah, you know, sure. I'm exactly. sure we'd be stopping by McDonald's or Taco Bell <laughs> or, you know, Jack in the Box. I'd probably for, be going for the sweets because, you know, oh, I have yeah, that we'd sweet get tooth. ice cream and, you know, Mike never knew that I had such a sweet tooth because I can't eat so much uh, like there's so many things yeah. I can't eat and so he's always surprised when I say oh I'd rather mm. have a brownie or ice cream or that kind of thing and he's I like want... well you never eat that stuff I'm like because I can't eat that stuff but yeah. if I could oh man that and would see, be I just I want the savory I like sweet stuff but I just love dinner so much more than dessert no I will take dessert over dinner every yeah, well. day so we can we can have one uh, complete <laughs> you meal. Eat the dinner, and we'll, I'll eat the we'll divide and conquer. Yeah. So, but anyway, so I think at first I was a little bit. I I think I was being. I don't know the word. I I think I wasn't being very realistic with. With well, you were you were shoot. We were kind of shooting for the moon, right? Like yeah. we we didn't know at the time in the beginning that. I, I think we went for. I'm not going to say perfection, but perfection adjacent in trying to check all the boxes that we wanted checked. Well, I think what was happening was I was verbally saying I wasn't going for perfect, but in my mind I was. And so I think that it was hard for me to get really attached to any woman because I could find a problem. Even if there was no problem, I could still find a problem of like... You know, like, you know, dumb stuff. And so that's what I think was a little bit harder than I thought. Because I've come to terms with having to use a surrogate. And so I didn't really think of how hard it would be to pick a woman to do the thing I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I thought I kind of had bypassed that. Or I I kind of come to terms Mm -hmm. with that, I guess. Um, And then I found out that I hadn't. (laughs) So it was fine. It just felt at the beginning really overwhelming because I wasn't feeling connected to anyone and I was finding issues with kind of every match that just wasn't like a bad issue but I was like oh I don't know if I want to pick them because you know 
A, B, or C, that kind of thing. And so I think it kind of took me a little bit of time, a couple weeks. I mean, that's not that long time, but it took me a couple weeks of talking to different women to kind of just really kind of have a conversation with myself of saying, hey, you're not going to be carrying this child. Someone's, no one's going to do it exactly like you're going to do it, but that's totally fine. Yep. You're going to have that's a... That's going to have to be fine. <laughs> well, yes, that's going to have to be fine. And you're going to get the thing you want the most at the end of this. You're going to have a child. And so I think when I was able to kind of come back at it again and look at these women more objectively, it became easier to pick someone and really say, okay, what are the things that really matter to me in that? And so I think it just was, it was just a little bit of a learning um, situation for me and yeah. it took a little bit of time and I don't know, you know, I, I went through that so I don't know if if I can have some, or help someone avoid that because maybe that's just kind of what women have to go through. Yeah. But I do think that what we ended up doing is kind of, we we posted twice. We posted once, and then a month later, we posted again to in these match groups to see if there was any other surrogates that hadn't been around in those yeah. groups beforehand that you know are or are now available and that kind of thing. And I felt way more confident that second time because I felt like I was in a better place emotionally with it as well, and just being able to see them and see okay, do they fit these things that yeah. we are really important? Yep. Do I feel like we have a good connection? Yep. Okay. Like, let's start to move forward in that well, and that kind of thing. And we had a process at that point. So I think even when we made the second post, we, I think originally when we did the first post, we're like, okay, like we want to pick a match within two or three weeks or whatever. And then we kind of realized like, oh, we need to figure out how to do this. And I think the second time around we were more streamlined and said, well, I know. Well, we have had to... the questions that we wanted to ask. Yep. We knew the criteria that we wanted. Yep. I knew how to open up the conversation. Yep. So I felt more confident about that. And so just having that framework, I hope would help. Yeah. You know. So I guess people. that would be a good piece of advice is like, take kind of our learning experience of figuring out what your process is going to be for kind of figuring out how, what will lead you to feel comfortable with matching with a surrogate. And that may have to change during the course of the process. But as we said, it kind of caught us off guard when we were like, how do we find out all this stuff we want to know about this person? Okay, let's use a Google form. Okay, cool. Like that actually worked pretty well. And then we had the Google form there at the ready. And a lot of the conversation topics we had, uh, not a lot, but there were, that was good fodder for conversations during the FaceTime. It's like, oh, I see you put this down. Like, Mm -hmm. can you elaborate on that a little bit? Or like, you know. It, or the surrogate would have questions based on what we asked during the form. Um, yeah. So it just worked really well. Well, so, you know, I talked about what my thoughts were with matching. Like, what did your, what were your emotions behind finding a match? Because I would assume it was well, a lot different than my thoughts about it. I mean, I'm a robot, so I don't have feelings. So <laughs> there's that. No. Well, but you didn't have, like, I remember your criteria there were fewer things on your list that were important to you than mine. Yeah, I think I was concerned with geographical location, budget, and I would say a moderate level of uh, lifestyle choices that aligned with ours. I'd say you had 
stricter criteria than I would have coming out of the gate, but mm-hmm. nothing you were saying. Yeah, we didn't disagree on things, exactly. but I just, your, your priority was a little bit different. And I would say that the location was your number one priority and it kind of moved my priority. Like it brought it, it, made, it brought it up for me as well because of you talking about it and me thinking about how it would be to be farther away and that kind of thing. And that shifted from the beginning towards yeah. the middle and we kind of changed how we picked a surrogate a little yeah. bit based on that. Yeah, and I, I think COVID had something to do... I, I think if COVID hadn't been going on, I would not have been so concerned about geographic location because it would have been easier. I was just like, you know, this is going to be a lot easier for everyone involved if it if they're close. Well, and I think we really talked about the relationship that we could have yeah. if we had a surrogate that was within driving distance mm-hmm. because then we can go to more appointments and we have more ability to be there when the child is born without risking that we're going to miss it yeah. and that kind of thing. And that was very that was very appealing to both of us yeah. once we started really thinking about it in terms of emotions during the matching i think it was definitely intimidating just like any other interviews i do you know i i'm sure i seem somewhere between fairly and completely confident but you know it's you don't you want to make sure you say the right thing and i'm always worried about one of my big things when going into an interview or you know, talking with surrogates is like an understanding that this needs, this will work the best for everyone if they feel like it's a fit with you the way you feel that it's a fit with them. It's funny, again, we're, we're very different. I walk into interviews with a resume or the sheet of questions and I kind of read through it in real time and go, that's an interesting point. Let's talk about that. And, you know, the night before you would sit down and go, so here are the, here are the 12 things that we're going to talk about with the surrogate. And, you know, I appreciated that because then I didn't do it in real time, which is probably better. But prepping for interviews was, you know, something I hadn't really done before. So I think you (laughs) brought, brought that good out of me. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Emotionally, I'm trying to think if there was any other. Do you it, it, feel like such up and down like I did? Like, oh my gosh, like this is so hard. I'm not that, gonna find that. That BMI thing hit me really hard because I thought again. I and I said this earlier. I probably said we, but I was talking for me. I feel I felt like we had our surrogate in that first round, and we, it was down to like two or three gal. Because we talked about this, we said we were choosing between two really, and then. There was a there was a one two punch of BMI and realizing that we had the wrong base comp number and that the number that we had been shooting for was actually higher than what we were going to be comfortable affording. Mm-hmm. So that immediately basically disqualified both mm-hmm. of the gals. Um, and there were some other factors that that led to it, but that I remember. You know, you were telling me how you were taking it hard. I probably didn't show any emotion, but that yeah. that hit really hard. I should probably get better at <laughs> at that. Um, but that felt like, you know, Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill and then 
it just come rolling back down and yeah. tomorrow we got to wake up and do it again. It, it really felt like we were never going to find anybody, yeah. even though it really hadn't been that long. It just really felt like at that moment we were never going to find anybody. Yeah. But, I mean, thankfully we did and we kind of got back out there and I felt like we had a better a more clear picture of what we wanted and what we didn't and it allowed us to kind of know quicker for for women and we found somebody that we really like and that it's been going really well with and I think you know I always think things happen for a reason and I'm happy with where we're at right now and so it's emotional and it's hard and all of that but you get through it and I think I think what was hard was I wasn't expecting it to be hard. And so that's probably why it hit me yeah. more. And so I think that would just be just go into it knowing that's an emotional process. And it, it's okay for it to be an emotional process. And it's going to have its ups and downs. But eventually you'll find that person that that meets your needs and you have a good connection with. And then you can move forward and start the next steps. Yeah. Because that's finding a match is such a huge part of it. And one of the bigger and, and one of the harder parts, but there's a lot more to come. Yeah. So. And I would, one thing I would recommend is, you know, again, you're making contact with a lot of potential surrogates that may not meet your criteria out of the gate. Keep all those names because it, I think there was an element of fate with the the gal that we matched with because she was actually one of the ones that we heard from earliest Mm -hmm. and it was appealing because she was so close to us but just for a variety of reasons the timing wasn't quite right but of our messaging back and forth you know Mm -hmm. we 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 were both busy couldn't necessarily get a hold of each other and um and so we just kind of kept going and then came full circle eventually after we kind of went through that thing with you know the changing requirements and the timing worked out for her better uh, it, and it worked out with her. So moral of the story is if we had just thrown her name away, then we wouldn't have our match. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important to just, you know, you don't have to keep in close contact, but keep a record of the people you reached out to and, and the conversations you had just so you can kind of go back to them. Cause it could be that your priorities change a month later and, and it could just be that timing is off and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing because that is a big thing in the surrogacy too. You just have to have the right timing for everybody. Yeah. So I that's one thing I kind of got out of it is, and it, there have been a couple times in my life when something went the wrong way from what I expected. And at the time it just felt horrible and it wasn't at all the direction I wanted to. And then you know, as little as a couple months later or even a year later, I kind of looked back and went, whew, like mm-hmm. that actually was probably the best thing that happened to me because of all these amazing things that yeah. happened down the line. And I think that was just how we found our, our surrogate mm-hmm. is a similar thing of, you know, I'm just really glad that we didn't just say, oh, I can't, I, you know, we couldn't make it work. So I'm just going to not reach out to her anymore and mm-hmm. just kept at it and, you know, it then the timing worked out, and mm-hmm. here we are, and getting close to <laughs> getting contract signed and transferring and going on the the rest of the journey. So, yep, yep. There's a lot more after you match. So, matching is definitely 
like I said, one of the hardest, but it's just the beginning after that. <laughs> it's just the beginning. Yep. So I think that's going to do it. Any final thoughts? Any deep thoughts? Any jokes? Nothing? Nope. Okay. No, no jokes. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. Well, uh, the next episode we're planning on doing is about the doing a deep dive uh, or in the biz, double clicking into... The finance, I know, I hate it. Oh, because going deeper. Please, you you may not be able to see my face over the airwaves, but I shudder a little bit every time I hear, let's just double click into that. I totally get that it is a valid way to describe going into detail on something, but something feels dirty about it. Yeah, you just used it. So now you're one of those people. Well, yes, we're going to do a deep dive on the finances. Yep. And uh, again, we'll probably end up sharing... Uh, some of the spreadsheets we've been using and the cheat sheets. and But we'll be talking about base comp versus, you know, the other monthly fees. Allowance. Yeah, monthly allowance. And and really, I think something that was tough for us and eventually we, we realized is that why the why those different fees exist and what they're meant for. Mm-hmm. And when you understand the why behind them, you understand... I think for us, we felt better about paying them. It felt like we were kind of being nickeled and dimed, and then we understood a little more, and it was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. definitely. So, yeah, our goal will be to get you to the same place that we got to after uh, learning a bunch. So, uh, looking forward to that episode, and until then, good luck if you're in the middle of your journey, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.